What's kind of the elevator synopsis of the of the movie? If you were in an elevator ride with somebody from the ground floor to the third floor and you told them about what this movie was, how would you explain it? So it's effectively about uh, this awkward teenager who enters a vicious rap battle with ulterior motives. So it's an unexpected love story. Welcome back to the Sip and Pop Culture Podcast. I am your host, Chris Mission. Today's show, I am flying Ben Solo, a loner seeking to find his identity, haunted by the dark side, but ultimately good at heart. Spoiler alert. Previously on Sip and Pop Culture, James and Brandon joined me to discuss some of our favorite recent movies, including some South Korean cinema, 1917, and a few others. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, please go and check that out. We also talked about the Magnolia Independent Film Festival that was held in Starkville, Mississippi, February 27th through the 29th at the UEC Hollywood Premier Cinema. I had a chance to attend and sit down with some of the filmmakers, and so later on you will hear from one of them, and stay tuned to future episodes as I continue that series. It's very interesting, they are very cool people, I had a great time, uh, great networking event, I encourage anybody that has the opportunity to go to a film festival, and especially an independent film festival, go to those, meet people, super interesting, so many different kinds of films that they screen, and so it's just a, a great opportunity uh, to watch some really cool independent films and see what people can do on kind of low budget. So it might even encourage you to go out and do something yourself. But before we get to that, let's pop the tab and get some fresh news from the fizz. So Matt Reeves has continued to trickle out photos for his new movie, The Batman, which is slated to hit theaters in June of 2021. The new photos were released on Reeves' Twitter handle, at Matt Reeves LA. They feature another look at the new Batman suit, as well as the new Batmobile. Not quite sure how I feel about this Batmobile yet. It looks to be kind of a mixture of a muscle car from the 70s, or maybe a sports car uh, that took way too many steroids. Not saying I don't like it, but with all the Batmobiles from all the other films, they all kind of have gotten their own taking used to, you know, you have to get used to them a little bit. Uh, some comic book-centric websites have been posting connections of this Batmobile to those of a comic book version from the 70s and 80s that also utilized a sports car body style. So I guess I'm excited to see what happens and what's more in store for this film. I'm personally a big Batman film, and so I'm kind of excited about every kind of incarnation that comes out with Batman stuff. Um, we'll just kind of have to see what happens with this one. You know, I was skeptical for a short time about Ben Affleck, uh, but after a while, I really, you know, digged what they were doing with the character, kind of an older, grittier style, and it really worked in with what they were doing with The Dark Knight Returns, so I think that's going to be a good thing. This could be really cool. Everything is looking... Uh, in some ways, the Batman suit almost looks a little bit like Arkham Asylum game, so that could be really good because I thought those costumes were really cool, so I'm really uh, looking forward to what's going to happen with this. So hopefully I'll have a guest on soon that I can sit there and go back and forth with Batman stuff because that would be really awesome. So stay tuned for that coming up, hopefully at some point. So while we're still on the topic of movies, the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker novelization is getting some possibly mixed attention, so... Uh, movie-ish, okay, but as reported by comicbook.com, the novel goes deeper into the reemergence of the dreaded Sith Lord, Emperor Palpatine. Moviegoers have been taking sides on whether they're excited about Palpatine's return or not and just how it was possible after his 
Long Fall from Power, and Suppose Life Itself in Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. So the book described Palpatine's ability to use a stolen secret from his previous master to thrust his consciousness through the galaxy and embed it into a different body. Now, if you seen the movie, he clearly didn't give any new models to choose from, but at least it gives a little bit of backstory. Uh, not sure where I fall on this one. I feel like they're kind of retconning the entire thing. Uh, for Star Wars fans that kept up with the original Expanded Universe, this is really no secret because in there, the Dark Lord had a planet with bodies to transfer consciousness, but I can understand that casual fans are kind of like, okay, um, this is getting to be a little bit too much. They're trying to save their own butts because they made a weird story. Um, I'm still okay with what happened in the movies. I don't feel like we necessarily need to have too much of this detail that we're getting, but I understand that people had questions, and so they kind of want to know what's the deal. Stay tuned for that. The Rise of Skywalker novelization will be available March 17th of this year, and the movie and DVDs and everything will be short to follow. On a more somber note, Kazuhisha Hazimoto passed away this past week at the age of 61. Hazimoto was most famous for producing the well-known and many times referenced Konami code Up Up Down Down Left Right Left Right BA Start. Created in 1985 for the arcade game Gradius, the code was found uh, its place in many popular games such as Contra, Castlevania, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The code continues to be utilized in more recent titles such as A League of Legends and Fortnite. So, next time you're gearing up to do some gaming, give it a shot and see if this Easter egg has anything in store for you. And that's the latest fizz keeping you fresh and carbonated. So as I mentioned earlier, I got the opportunity to sit down with some of the filmmakers featured at the Magnolia Independent Film Festival in February. My guest this episode is Rashad Mubarak. He was a producer on the film Bloom, directed by Christopher and William Derrick in Atlanta, Georgia. So my name is Rashad Mubarak. I was one of the producers on Bloom. Um, so it is a short film produced by my producing partner, Jasmine Darnell Brown along with um, producer Skylin Brooks. He's also the lead character. He was an actor in uh, Netflix's The Get Down, as well as Empire in the Darkest Minds, and producer Sherman Brooks. Um, and it was written by Jean-Pierre Chapiteau and directed by Will and Chris Derrick. Okay. So what, what kind of stuff did you do specifically for the film? Um... Well, you know, to me, like a producer is a problem solver. We make stuff happen. Specifically, my partner Jasmine approached me with the idea uh, for taking this script that Jean-Pierre created and turning it into a short. I helped with the logistics of everything. Like, I helped uh, stalk our lead actor until... <laughs> They agreed to be on board um, with this amazing project that uh, was created. And then I helped um, hire the cast and crew and everything. Um, I'm based out of Atlanta. We ended up actually shooting in Atlanta. What's kind of the elevator synopsis of the of the movie? If you were in an elevator ride with somebody from the ground floor to the third floor and you told them about what this movie was, how would you explain it? So it's effectively about uh, this awkward teenager who enters a vicious rap battle with ulterior motives. So it's an unexpected love story. What was the um, what was the production like for this project? 
It was a lot. Um, I really enjoyed the production. Uh, so we shot, as far as production, one day. Um, so typically, I don't work with crews of this size, or before this point, I had worked with crews of this size. So we had about 40-some crew members, 26 extras, six main cast, um, where me and my partners, we were in charge of everything. What kind of budget did you look at for that with that big of a crew? And, and was it, or was it more of a labor of love type of situation? Um, it was definitely a labor of love. Uh, people got paid. Um, but it definitely was a labor of love. Um, just uh, our food budget alone, I remember, was like 600 and some dollars. Um, and then we definitely um, paid the crew. Our extras were paid. Um, how much were they paid? I think they were paid like 70-something per day, and we had like 26 of them. So everybody was getting paid. Um, then the... And our actors got paid as well, so it was a lot of money out, man. What about finding the location? So did you kind of have to black out the location? Because um, I know there's some night scenes in there and everything. So did you kind of do that first and then capture all the other stuff afterwards? Or how did you how did you get the location? And So it's interesting because we initially were going with a location at another company, but about four days before our shoot, the business that we were going to be renting the location from went out of business. Oh, wow. So we, of course, needed a location. Uh, my partner, Jasmine, he had a relationship with uh, someone who had access to this basically abandoned warehouse. So uh, I went and checked it out. It looked sketchy in an interesting way, mm-hmm. <laughs> like something could be done there. Oh, yeah. So we went and we rented that. But um, we definitely, we had to build out the set. Um, so it, literally they were inside their building up set. So it was just like a construction site. What have you been doing with the film now that it's done? And, and you know, you're obviously here at the Magnolia Independent Film Festival. Is this the first stop, one stop of many, the last stop? Where, where has this kind of fallen into promoting the film? Ah, it's an amazing stop, man. It's just this whole process has been great. You know, I, I appreciate just all the press opportunities at this particular festival and just the niceness because some people aren't at some other festivals. Um, so we're currently touring. Uh, like last week, we were in L.A. doing some screenings. Um, a couple of weeks before that, um I also was in San Diego, so we're we're kind of doing our world tour right now. But the people of Mississippi have definitely been very, very nice and accommodating. Um, and I plan to return, and I'll bring uh, more people with me. <laughs> and, and speaking of that, what has so obviously you've gotten a, a really warm perception of it from people here. You know, I think a lot of people really enjoyed the movie. Uh, how has that been elsewhere in in some of the other places that you've gone to? You know, sometimes it's like I don't know if people just don't. It's, it's always great when people connect to the story that we're trying to tell, you know? Um, like, so there was a moment after the Q&A when someone asked about, like, okay, did, did, did the filmmakers study any projects when they made their films? And I explained how, yeah, we studied coming-of-age shows like The Wonder Years, um, Grownish, 
Uh, as well, of course, we watched Atlanta. But I also said just in my own personal motivation how I um, I love the way that the brown faces on Insecure were lit up. Um, the way they, they looked beautiful. You know, sometimes the lighting will have us looking crazy. Um, like we're always some dark color or something like that. Which in film, the way that you light someone like indicates it can indicate things. It can indicate power. It can indicate whether or not someone should be trustworthy, whether or not someone's a villain. And it's like, okay, if we're always in the dark, then there's negative things that are automatically thought. Right. Um, and so did that come from the experience of the cinematographer? Was that, you know, a conscious decision between everybody? Like, this is the way we want to do it, so that's the way you need to do it? Or was everybody really on board? Well, so it definitely was a, a conscious decision um, by the producers and our uh, directors as well. Um, everybody that was on board. We just, we wanted to make sure that all of the people in the film looked beautiful. Um, and then when I made that comment after the Q&A about the lighting, so many people came out to me and were just like, thank you for saying that. And we appreciate you sharing that Absolutely. information. So it's just like, that made me feel good, man. Yeah, no, I think that was, <laughs> uh, you know, as somebody, you know, in the crowd watching and, and, and everything, you know, I think that's a good little tidbit because people don't think about that sometimes, that, um, you know, there are challenges and that lighting really can have an effect on, on the perception of somebody and how beautiful you can make them look and and that kind of thing and so i think that was really great that you guys took that and saw that as a main goal for how you wanted it to look aesthetically you know i mean it didn't have anything to do you know on on the story the writing was great you know and that kind of thing but aesthetically if somebody was just to watch the movie with no sound they'd really think it was a beautiful movie and i yeah. think that's really cool um thank you man what um is this kind of part of a uh, bigger dream project to kind of see this expand out or was this kind of a one-off short and we're going to move to another project? Because, um, I mean, I think it's a really interesting story and, and, and could see this being expanded out into something else. Um, so we're currently um, developing the project uh, into something larger. Because, um, I mean, the idea is we, when we created Bloom, we wanted to make a project for, you know, that our, that not just we could be proud of, but also like our, our nephews, um, our sons, our brothers, um, our daughters. So just so that our people could be proud of, you know, just the representation. So. Absolutely. No, that's, uh, you know, and again, I think Mississippi's a great place for that to come here. You know, I'm sure it was well-received in Atlanta and, and, and bringing something like that, that, yeah. you know, people in Mississippi look at this and they will tell their kids, like, go watch this movie. Like, it's really well done. The people had a lot of fun doing it. You can see the passion in it. You know, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And I think that's what's great about independent film festivals, you know, in general is that, you really get exposed to so many different things. And then to have the filmmakers come and, and talk about it, and it, I think it makes you like something even more to see like the passion you had you know, talking about it. And even now, you know, hearing you talk about this piece is just a really fun part of the experience for somebody. 
Um, do you get that when you go to other festivals? Do you, do you see that kind of? Um, so yeah, we've been getting a lot of love at, uh, at, at the festivals that have accepted us. Uh, the ones that have kind of saw the vision. Um, cause I mean, I, at its core, it's just a, a story about like the human experience. You know, this this kid who is in a place that he shouldn't be, and he's taking a risk um, to overcome these impossible obstacles because he feels like it's important. And I feel like everybody can relate to that essence of humanity. Absolutely. Now, from you, for you personally, how did you kind of get involved in filmmaking? Is this like an, a lifelong passion? Did it just kind of like fall into your hands and you're like, wow, this is really cool. I want to keep doing this. How did, how did it get started for you? So um, I used to act. I remember when I transferred to FSU, I just randomly auditioned for like a web series. So this is way back in the day when web series were like <laughs> brand new. Right. And I remember acting in the project and just being like, oh, this is really cool. And eventually, um, after being casted and other stuff, I just wanted to take a step back and learn about the filmmaking process. I just never returned to acting after that happened. But I wanted to make stories that were important to me that actually mattered to me. Because some of the things that I would be casting in, I just didn't care about. I was like black guy number two, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to put the amount of care and consideration into the things that I actually like into my work, you know? Do you see yourself staying in a producer role or do you want to, you know, direct or be a cinematographer one day or what, where do you kind of see your evolution going? Well, I feel like I have a lot of uh, skills as a producer. Um, I actually enjoy producing. Sometimes when I'm on set, I don't get to realize it or think about that until like the end of the day. Because as soon as I accomplish one thing, I'm thinking about something else. Because my background is in line producing. So effectively, I'm typically, not on all the projects, but a lot of times I'm like the, if you will, I'm like the supervisor on set. Um, that's what a line producer does. Mm-hmm. So I line produce and produce, which are two slightly different roles. Sure. So I definitely continuing to produce. Um, I hope to make studio films and just from the standpoint of being able to share these ideas on a larger scale, because I, I would like to. I feel like the media influences how people think about I guess just individuals in life in general. So me just being a black Muslim man, like I understand the power of media. And so it's very important to me to have an opportunity to create work that humanizes my experiences and people that are like me. Cause a lot of times other people, they're not going to do that. They're gonna paint you as villains. And, and speaking of influences, what what influences you? What what kind of motivates you? What films you know do you really like? This is the one that hits home for me. Um, I, it's crazy. We were just having a conversation in there um, with some of the volunteers. Um, they're actually teenagers. It's crazy. This, this girl, oh, she's yeah. fourteen years old. She says she's been working on films for like ten years. Isn't that crazy? She's so advanced. <laughs> But um, I was telling her I really like um, Requiem for a Dream, 
It's one of my favorite films. I really like City of God um, about Brazil and the people down there. It shows that suffering is not just an American concept. And Scorsese, of course, I really like his stuff. And No Country for All Men, the Coen Brothers is amazing. But I like those things. And then, of course, Spike Lee, like, do the right thing. Right. I remember at being at a film festival a couple of years ago at some after party where they were playing Do the Right Thing in the club and I was watching it. And this is the first time I really watched it as an adult. And I was just like, wow, just without being able to hear the sound, this is so perfect. Everything, the way everything winds up. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's interesting to go back and watch some of those films, you know, like after you've gone through the experience a little bit more, you have a little bit more background and you rewatch stuff. And, and I think you see it in a completely different light at times. and. And at least my experience has been that I really enjoy that part of it. Um, yeah, yeah. And so that's that's totally cool. Uh, where can we follow you on social media or the film? Like, how, how can we keep in touch with what you guys are doing? Um, so you can follow... Um, you can follow us on social media on, um, on Instagram... So my uh, Instagram account is Mubarak Films. I'm gonna spell that. Uh, so it's M U B as in boy A R A K Films. Um, my partner uh, Jasmine Darnell Brown. His IG is Jasmine Darnell with two L's and Brown. Okay. Um, and Skyland is on there as well. Um, producer Skyland Brooks and also producer Sherman Brooks and producers Chris Derrick and Will Derrick as well. So you can search for them. Right. And also, I just want to give a shout out to um, Josh Sademan. He was our amazing DP. The project wouldn't have been the same without him or uh, our casting director, Raven Drummer. Or even the cast, uh, Terrell, Desi Banks, who's amazing on on Instagram. He's he's a, he has such a massive following on there. Um, or Walnetta, Jasmine, the actress, a Christian, um, who played Ammo, um, our villain in the story. That's so cool. I mean, like you said, it's a huge cast, huge crew, so many people that go into making something like this and and again you guys did a fantastic job thank you and thank you so much for being here we really appreciate it and hope that you enjoy the rest of your time here at the magnolia independent film festival nah man thank you i appreciate this this is wonderful so be sure to follow rashad on his instagram page at mubarak films m-u-b-a-r-a-k films and give him a follow keep up with what he's doing super great guy he's got a great future ahead of him super excited really glad that he was on the show so thanks again for tuning in to this episode of sip and pop culture don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast we are streaming from all of your favorite podcast providers especially spotify apple Podcasts, overcast and google podcast have a great day and tip your barista